Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. What's up, my brother? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? Doing well as well, man. Over here with the kids, man. We we having a good time over here. (laughs) Homeschooling today. Uh, All right. (laughs) I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest, uh, Joshua Pondexter. How's it going? Wonderful, man. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, you know, chime in on this topic of father and fatherhood. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. thanks for thanks for jumping thanks on. For with us. Yeah, you, you're welcome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you can introduce yourself to the people, Joshua, uh, what do you do for a living or for a purpose? And also, uh, how many kids do you got and what are their ages? Cool. Uh, well, I um, I work in the area of uh, financial uh, advising. I've been doing that for um, three decades and was was really interested. We started part-time. I worked uh, professionally uh, as an engineer for about 26 years. And concurrently, I was always selling life insurance, health insurance, financial products. So we, we, we did. And then we just uh, transitioned uh, maybe in 2002 uh, to uh, a full-time entrepreneur, right? So... Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I am uh, the original side hustler and had a side hustle since 1986, right? So that's what, you know, that's what we did. And then um, uh, I would, I have been a father of three sons. My oldest son uh, had him when I was 30, right? So he will be 30 uh, this March and uh, have a, what they call an Irish twin, his brother, 20, 29, and they sometimes during a year that the same age, right? My first son, Joshua, my second son, Matthew, and then I have uh, a younger son that's 20, right? Uh, so that's my, my one out of due season. And then uh, blessed to say that um, I'm a grandfather of uh, three sons, uh, my six-year-old uh, grandson, which is my, uh, my heir to my business. <laughs> we already identified him. Then we have a, a two-year-old. Uh, I don't know what that boy going to do, but he's a beast. And then we have the baby that's, uh, I think, about five months. So those are my my three grandsons. Three sons, three grandsons at the moment. The only one that has contributed is the oldest son. So he has three boys. And I, the other two have not had children as of yet. They still rocking out, you know, <laughs> enjoying life. Uh, and And... Did you ask me to give uh, fathers some advice at this point? And uh, what I would give to a father? Uh, not yet. We're going to leave, leave oh, yeah. that to right, cool, cool. I, I, I Maybe that was in the, when we were talking offline, but I got no, some good, advice. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> That's me, brother. JoshuaPondexter.com. Uh, we're all about financial literacy, uh, educating uh, our people specifically uh, how to win this money game. So Joshua, can you talk about um, the things you've learned from being a dad to being a granddad? How has uh, that responsibility changed for you? Absolutely, yeah, thanks. That's a great question, uh, Dr. Young. And, and, and so I was a father, the, my first son, as I stated, I had him when I was 30 and it um, profoundly impacted my life too. Wow, now it's time to stop playing and get, you know, get serious. 
you know, I'm responsible for someone else. So it, it was a shift. That was the first significant shift. And I had a second son, third son. And then when I became um, uh, a grandfather, <clears throat> the, the pressure, that pressure was not, there was a different type of pressure to be uh, a statesman. I, I felt uh, more elderly. I felt more, uh, more regal. I felt that I should set a legacy, a better example. From you, you see what I mean? So the the it shifted yeah. as, as a father. It shifted that day to day grind, providing. You know now yeah. it, it shifted to okay. Now I got to think about grandchildren and leaving something for them. So that that was the shift. Okay. Okay. And and I love it. And and, and so it it um, I. I'm 60 year old. I, I know I look as young as uh, Sir Royce, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's it's it makes you feel more stately than a grandfather. It makes you feel like hey, uh, I am walking with integrity. I want to I want to present myself like as a man to be respected. But it's it's a respect level in the community that grandfathers should hold, and with my grandchildren, they love me. <laughs> cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, speak, speak to your fatherhood experience. So uh, mm-hmm. when you first became a dad, um, you pretty much had kids back to back, it seems like. So uh, mm-hmm. what was the biggest difference from the first one to the second one in regards to how you were as a father at that time? I appreciate that. Um, and we, we're coming from an environment where I had no um, thoughts that I would ever be a father, that I would ever be married, had no ambitions in that regard, right? So bam, the first one was like, that's it. I'm good, right? And so then the second one come and uh, Matthew, which is uh, Matthias in the Greek, gift of God, or I named him thus, uh, it was, it was a gift from God. And and so now it's like, wow, you know, uh, God wants me to do more, right? Wants me to be more. So that's how I began the shift. Well, that's uh, the first one. The second one now it's like, wow. It's, it's, it's more required of you, right? And then the, the third one came, uh, which was uh, a blessing because all that learning to be a father, to be a parent, to, to be a disciplinary, to be a guy, to, you know, all that kind of accumulated. And then when I got to the, um, the third one, I, I hope I was a little better. The, the first two, it was, do what I say, when I say do it, and how I say do it, right? Very, you know, like this. And then that third one came along. He was like, uh, I ain't doing anything to you. Why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a shift in reality where it's like, oh, I, I need to adjust myself uh, and, 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 and not let uh, a four or five-year-old outsmart me, you know? <laughs> You know, so those were the shifts. You know, of course, having multiple cho- children, you see multiple personalities, and you you can't, you know, treat all of them the same. You got you got to become better. You got to become a better communicator. You have to you you know you. Uh, I think one of the things that we miss is not being uh, expressive in love. You know, loving your sons, kissing them. You see what I'm saying? Those are those are important. You know, so they they realize that uh, masculine affection is okay. You know what I'm saying? That it's okay uh, to consequently 
love your friends, love your 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 you know your schoolmates. It's good to have uh, those strong connections with other men, right? Yeah. So those are this is how that kind of uh, instructed me in, in fatherhood, going from one to two to three ch children, right? Um, so that's what's that's what's uh, what I would say uh, to that. Okay. okay. Another question. So your um, your oldest son, he, he's named after you. His name is Joshua. Yes. Your mm -hmm. second son's name is Matthew. Yes. What's your third son's name? Uh, Jeremiah. Okay. Jeremiah. So uh, <clears throat> the oh, Hebrew names, or from the Hebrew perspective, um, you know, Jeremiah the weeping prophet. So he he did. You know, most people will take on the the nature of their name. You know, he's a very compassionate man. Very you know, uh, loving, you know, uh, uh, and so uh, we we appreciate that, giving him a name, telling him what his name means, and yeah. then having him strive to be that type of uh, personality. Um, yeah, I, I noticed that when you were, um, when you were saying your, your son's names, and mm -hmm. um, I know that you work in, in finance. Yes, sir. So yes, what, sir. what role does, like, um, God play in our finances? Well, um, the prophet Isaiah said that God maketh the poor and the rich. So if you uh, if you um, um, have a, a problem with your uh, <clears throat> your financial situation, talk to your Creator about it. Right? Uh, that's from a spiritual perspective, but from a practical perspective, uh, how the God works in our finance, the uh, the psalmist said that he is the one that has given us the ability to earn, right? So uh, we need to find out what our ability is and utilize that ability to make honest money, right? Uh, and so there's a whole balancing act. So if you one that believes in, in, in contributing uh, to your local church or temple or mosque or whatever, bam, that's, that's you know, that's developing the characteristics of God, right? Giving, right? And it will be given unto you. Uh, it's a principle. So he plays a dynamic um, part uh, in our financing. And, and especially as a financial advisor, um, you know, the Bible tells me to present all things honest unto all men, right? So I must be honest uh, in my endeavors, right? There, there are... Um, there's complicated financial products, right? And so if I have a client um, that, no, this is a little bit above your head. You can't understand these swaps uh, uh, and, and shortened stocks and things. No, no, we don't need to even uh, invite this to your attention. There's other ways for you to build uh, wealth, right? Uh, instead of me being a trickster and just selling you some so I can make money, right? So it informs. Uh, my business, you know, my, my life, uh, everything. Yeah. My faith. What, um, what did you, how did you, how did you teach your, your sons about money? Like, uh, with them growing up, like what, what type of lessons did you teach them? Yeah, great, great question. Um, and so in the, in the, uh, in the, the, the two oldest ones, uh, of course, when, um, I was, uh, was working, 
a job, a corporate job, and I was working part-time, right? So they didn't get a lot of opportunities to see me out, you know, demonstrating in the community until they got older. And I left corporate America, but they would come to me, you know, because I do workshops. I do financial workshops. been doing it for over 20 years. I get, you know, 50, 80, 100, 200 people together. I feed them and I do a workshop. And my sons will be with me uh, handing out literature, uh, passing out the food, you know what I'm saying? So, so they were able to learn from me teaching uh, from the stage, right? Uh, and, and that was very, very, very helpful. It's, you know, it's just like sending your, your child to formal education and you go like, wow, um, you, you learn, you're in the sixth grade, seventh grade, and you're learning about transistors and uh, electronic components. I had to pay for that information in college and you're appreciative uh, of the teacher. So now, um, just the formal education of them hearing me train was good. And then the other, the other things was seeing my lifestyle, right? That number one, um, no, no uh, Gucci, uh, no Prada, not, none of that foolishness. Uh, when it's talking about, uh, dad, I want some Jordan. I said, yeah, I want you to have some Jordan too. But daddy got, um, he has a, he has a hundred dollar limit on how much he will pay for gym shoes. Well, I want these jeans. Well, I want you to have those jeans too, but I have a limit that I don't pay no more than $25 for a pair of jeans, right? So how, how do you think you're gonna get those things? Well, I gotta go make me some money, <laughs> right? So it's, it's more of the example, more of like, go, you have to earn your weight, right? I got, I have limits, I'm not buying, um, uh, $200 sweatshirts, right? I'm not buying $300 gym shoes. That's no, no. I don't even, uh, you know, $100, $120 pair of dress shoes work just fine for me, right? So that's that's more of the example. And then when they come with, with their stuff, their need, right? And was able to, to you know, have them do some work, uh, snow removal, you know, to earn the money, for, to buy their video game. So it, it, they learn to earn, right? And it's very difficult uh, in this modern world to teach you. I'm from Arkansas, Texas, Arkansas, country boy. And, and so it was always uh, grass to cuts, uh, always work to do to earn some money. Kind of difficult for the child in the modern world uh, to, to kind of navigate that. But we try to teach them that you got to earn your money. Uh, and then when it comes to uh, uh, how much money daddy make, no, he don't spend it like that. <laughs> okay. Well, what did your parents teach you about like finances and money and stuff? Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Wonderful question. I was raised by a single mother, right? Uh, and um, and then I had a father that, because uh, I grew up in Arkansas and in Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana. I had a father who worked in the steel mills and, and his thing was that so he worked in the steel mill, and then he had um, uh, he had nightclubs and barbecue joints. So he was uh, sort of a businessman himself. So th this was a, a lifestyle of seeing a father making all this money and then having a mother who was frugal, right? Mm -hmm. And so my mother told me something, and I'm still working on it today. She said, boy, if you save some money, 
when you don't have no money, you will never, ever need money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still chewing on that, doctor. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get my, I'm going to write, that's going to be my thesis. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> right, right. So that was my mom. Then it was my dad was like, hey, money was no option. You know what I'm saying? It was whatever, whatever you want, we got, because we got plenty of money. But uh, that's when he was able to be young and healthy and earning. And, and then when I saw that uh, he lost his health, right? came, uh, you know, uh, was diagnosed with cancer, uh, prostate cancer, spread out through all his body. And I saw it, uh, medical issues, bankrupt. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there was some lessons to learn, right? My mom, uh, she, uh, when she died, she, uh, it was a different story. She told me, she said, yeah, I'm, uh, she said, I don't understand your sister. She's always asking me for money. And, uh, you know, I ain't never made as much money as she's made. And I never asked nobody for no money. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's more, our teaching is more in our actions, right? Now, uh, it's, uh, it's, if you have a wife that can teach your children the simple things of, of like how to select a checking account with not high interest, how to, you know, select products. You know, and uh, and so that's that's another part of financial literacy, right? But mm -hmm. the, the the biggest teaching comes with your activity, right? Not um, uh, staying at home, not trying to make uh, the restaurant man wealthy, right? Cooking at home, taking your lunch to work when you can. These type of things you see uh, in your family, right? Even you know, and I work for myself. And I always left the, left home with some snacks, right? Because as a financial advisor, it's customary for me to take my, I might take my clients to lunch. I might have three or four lunches a day, breakfast and lunch, right? But it's all for business purposes. I'm not doing all that eating. So um, that's what I would say with the teaching is, is, is let, um, uh, like, the, like the Bible said, let your, your, your life be a living epistle, you know? When, a man, when they look at you, they can read how you get down, you know, and then, of course, doubling, coming uh, of age, uh, and, and, and my sons know that even though we were tight, I'm tight, that they know, and they have said out there on my, my daddy will give me his last, yeah. you know, before he feed himself, he will feed me, right? They know this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, talk about your background a little bit. So how, how do you think uh, being an engineer has helped you as a uh, financial uh, strategist? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because it, it is it, it's technical, you know, it's, you know, a lot of the, the products and services that um, uh, these financial institutions sell, they're technical products, right? The bank has technical products. The, um, the investment banks the life insurance company has technical products. And these products, they, uh, they are designed uh, first to enrich the pockets of the people that sell them, right? The, 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 the banker, the investment banker. Um, so the life insurance company, their products are designed to enrich them first. And then it's, it's designed to um, enrich uh, the person that sells them. Right. So the salespeople that sell these products 
they make money, right? Now we're we're now number three is the client, right? And, and so since these products are technical and it's easy to sell the benefits of them, what I would I I would say that hey, when I sell a product, it must be uh, good for the company. You must be a good client for the company, right? That uh, the the product is beneficial for the client and that it's beneficial for me. That we all three must win. So I've, I've been able to analyze products and look at them. And, and, and so, you know, being an analytical person, uh, I'm one of the few people when I used to sell mutual funds that ever read prospectus. Little old, it's like 40 pages of little old bitty tiny writings, right? And I, and I would sit there and I would read that and I'd go like, hmm, this is kind of complex. I, the average person won't understand these things, right? And so will I sell this to the average person? No, you know, because it's, it's, it's too, if it's too, uh, if it's too complex, trust me, it's not for you. It is not benefiting you. All that, all that writing is the benefit uh, the person that sold those products. So uh, that, that's one of the things that uh, have helped me uh, been trained technically is to look at very complex things uh, and make them simple for my client. Do or don't. This is good for you. This is not. Okay. Uh, I know like when you were talking about your, your parents, um, you said that you were raised by a single mom. Yeah. And um, you talked about like how you, your, your dad's lifestyle a little bit. Um, can you talk about your relationship with your father? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, my father uh, was, um, uh, hey, he was a go-getter, you know, and he was getting them. <laughs> and so, you know, he blew, he blew through town, his hometown. And so my mom, they got together and, and that happened. And, and so he didn't really find out about me until maybe um, I was like um, four or five, mm -hmm. right? And, and so consequently, his, his sister, who was still in the hometown, his mom, you know, they, they, they went by and did that visual DNA and go like, yeah, that's, <laughs> <What's his baby? laughs> yeah, that's his boy. So they said, well, yeah, that's his boy. I'm in Texarkana, Arkansas, and, and it's still uh, expensive to fly, fly, fly from that little hub anywhere out, right? Because you got to go to Dallas and you got to go. Uh, Little Rock, other major cities that get out of there. And so uh, before, when I was five, this was saying how much money my father had. He played, he, he paid for me to fly from uh, Texarkana to Fort Wayne, Indiana, right? Mm. What was that? Um, I'm 60 now. What, what was that? 50 some years ago, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, 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 so, uh, and, and so that's when I connected with my father. Right, so we started started uh, connecting, uh, and then uh, before, and I would say, oh, we, you uh, know, we had, yeah. Before, I'm sorry. Before you, you said that was fifty something years ago, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What airline did you fly out of? Yeah, that's <laughs> it it wasn't no spirit. Right, it wasn't no spirit. It's probably the only one was around with either American or or United. Or, or or something. There's some. There's quite a few airlines that are gone now. I don't remember <laughs> what they were. And, and so, so consequently, what you know, fast forwarding, as I got older, 
uh, when I used to go to see him visit in the summer, I would, uh, um, I would take um, uh, the Greyhound or the Trailway bus, right? Because I'm old enough now to go by myself. Uh, not really, but I don't think things was dangerous. So I was still a young, uh, a young lad, right? Now we'll go uh, and how, how that impacted me because my father was married and then he had um, his wife. I thought that uh, I was a little slow, right? That I was behind academically. And so when I would come there in the summer, she would have books for me to read and she would have workbooks on English and on math for me to, you, you see what I mean? So it was very beneficial for me to leave that rural area and come every summer and get that, that extra uh, push academically. Mm -hmm. But did, did they have children together? Your, yes. uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I had um, um, a brother, um, which is deceased now, a younger brother. And then I have one brother that's still uh, still living. Right. So and, and so what happened uh, was that my father accepted, you know, loosely that I was his son until he had a second son. Uh, and we look so much alike, he couldn't deny it, my brother, <laughs> you know. And, and so, yeah, so that was that was a part of uh, of growing up. And, and so, just to just to say that with those dynamics, those are some of the things that are destroying uh, men today, right? Not knowing who their father is, not knowing uh, the connection, or having that type of uh, a connection. My my father. Uh, was um, he was a complicated man? He, you know, uh, he enjoyed poetry. He enjoyed reading the Bible. He uh, he had me. I was in uh, I was in junior high reading Paradise Lost. You know, works like this. You know what I'm saying? So he was he he was a, he was an intellectual, uh, even though he worked uh, as a welder at the steel mill. You see, uh, we had we had a library in the house, right? Uh, so everybody want a man cave. No, forget the man cave. Return back to the library. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My stepmother took me uh, every week. Uh, we would go uh, to to the library and we would we would get books. And you had I had to read three books a week, and she was reading ten or twelve. I don't know how she did it, but she was just. And my and what another interesting. My father got me a speed reading machine. All right. So consequently, to say that our, our relationship uh, was was good, right? That's good. So after the summer, you fly back home. Uh, mm -hmm. Were there any other like male role models that you uh, were close to? Important, yes, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely important. My mom, um, you know, had the foresight to connect me with men. Uh, one, one, one man I should hang out a lot with, uh, was, uh, was a preacher and whenever, you know, I'll, I'll go to his house on Friday, uh, and he would, um, uh, if he would have, uh, meetings that he was doing, he would take me. That's consequently, I would, uh, uh, you know, have to put a suit on and stuff like that. I don't know. Can you see my, let me, let me show you this right here. See, you know, no, that didn't come up. But anyway, you see my picture back there. That's why I'm such a dapper Dan. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, he that one. There was other guy that um um they you know they taught me how to work, right? My uh my aunt's uh husband, you know, he had rent houses and stuff like that. I used to have to cut the yards, I would have to scrape them and paint them. So every other year I'm scraping and painting one of those houses, right? So those were those were male role models. Now my aunt, when I went in the Navy at 17, my aunt was like, why you why, why you always writing your uncle? Uh, he used to treat you like crap. Just work you like whatever. I said, well, he taught me how to be a man. He taught me how to work uh, with my own hand. And he would, uh, he never put a dime in my hand. He would, all the money he would give me, he would give to my mother. I don't know how much I uh, earned from him, but he would never. Yeah. So, and then to my role model, then he was, uh, he worked at, uh, had a job. He retired from the military. He, uh, he was a photographer, you know, so I was with him in his dark room developing. He did proms. He did uh, the local newspaper. So it was a lot of great exposure. So there was one man. Then there was other men uh, I was exposed to uh, that, uh, 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 you know, uh, killed hogs in the country. You see that that that's just a wonderful panoramic view of manhood, right? So I don't judge a man based upon status, you know, like okay, you the CEO. No, no. In my life, I've been able to deal with men uh, that come out of the woods and men that come out of the office. Don't matter. Outside, so like outside of like um, being able to to work hard, what's some of the like I guess the biggest lessons that you learn from from those from those men. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and thank you, Dr. Young. I think you young folks call them hacks. You know, hacks. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. What's some, of, what's some of the life hacks? Right. Is is is, is number one get a mentor. Right. Mm. So yeah. somebody somebody thinks a mentor is, is somebody who wants to. Uh, have your best interest at heart that wants to see you do well? Yeah, true. But that's only half of a mentor. The other half is someone that has a financial interest in you doing well, right? So I had an uncle that, you know, we had, we still have our land in Arkansas and we used to cut trees down. And he'd take me out there and he would we'd cut these trees down, sell them to the paper mill and make money. So uh, he he was my mentor and, and he had a financial interest. If I come out there and work, I will make money, right? And he made money. So if you want a true mentor, does this be somebody who wants you to do well? Yes, but they must have a financial interest in you. That's why they'll take your call at 3 a.m., right? So what's, what's the problem? What's going on, right? So those are the criteria I see for mentorship. Number one, get, get a mentor. Uh, and 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 number two, um, you know, get be around good people, right? There's still there's still good people in this world, right? So spend your life uh, with you know, get mentors. I still have mentors today. Most of them are eighty and eighty six years old. I got some great mentors, and 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 around good people. Those want to see you do well uh, and service give right it's it's not a 
that, that we call them a hack. It's not a trick, but giving a service uh, is more rewarding than anything else. I think since the pandemic, I have given 70 uh, free financial workshops, right? And that's given. Uh, so those are the things that I say I have learned. Uh, matter of fact, I do a Facebook Live every Friday at 9 a.m. And, and then uh, oh, I did one um, January the 7th was my 60th birthday. There was five things that I have learned <laughs> at age 60, right? So, yeah, so there's some things that we have definitely learned is this platform that you you guys are created uh, and, and your interests and, and fathers, um, that, that's, that's given because this is, we got to reclaim uh, our community, you know, so first we got to go reclaim our women. <laughs> Not children. Okay. All right. What was one of the things you learned at uh, age sixty? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. The first one was um, to put God first. Mm. Right. It's not as a, as a platitude, but an actual attitude. Right. Your spiritual life, your relationship with your Creator, should be number one. Right. And everything else should flow from there. Put family second, right? So when I was working in corporate America, working 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week, God wasn't first, family wasn't first, it was me, right? Even though he said, oh, I'm taking this money and I'm, I'm taking care of my family in a royal way. No, 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 I'm putting me first, right? So we have learned to put God first, put our family second because you will lose your family, right? You will lose your children, right? You will lose your friends. Yeah? Those are that's your value piece right there, right? So uh, and then put uh, your job, your business third. And that means that whatever you decide to do professionally, uh, make it let it be something that's uh, holistic, that's helpful for the family and for the community. Don't be out there. Uh, not if you do it, whatever. But I won't be a tavern owner, right? My father had a tavern, <laughs> but I was just not a business I would get into, right? So whatever, whatever I do, I wanted to be beneficial for myself, my family, my community. I wanted to be holistic, right? Those are three things. The fourth thing is that uh, discipline, right? Is to discipline yourself, right? The fifth thing is to uh, read more, you know. Uh, I wish I would have read. I've been reading all of my life, right? Started, I told you, my, my stepmother had me reading three books a, a week, right? And and we read, we still read a lot, but I'm talking about read more. I got uh, eight, nine, 10, 12 books just sitting there for me to read them, right? Read more, do more, give more, be more, right? Those are the five things uh, that we have learned. Um, to, that's beneficial for a life. Because we like everybody, we have lost a lot. Yeah. You have any book suggestions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, in any any particular area, one of, one of them, of course, the 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. Mm. Uh, one of them would be the... Uh, the Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin <laughs> Sharma. <laughs> I 
Uh, one would be the psychology uh, of money. Uh, one would be um, so so many of them. Um, uh, of course, the the classics, right? Uh, how to win friends and um, uh, influence people. Dale oh, Carnegie. That's um, my favorite right there. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Uncle uh, Dale is the the richest man in Babylon. Oh yeah, that's um, too. Yeah. These are these are, these. I can't you know uh, you know because these guys or that I kind of name these books. These are guys who have taken this information and really expand upon it, and so it applies to the modern world. But yeah. The Richest Man in Babylon is a good book. Um, uh, Earl Nightingale. Um, um, can't think of the book now, but it's all about um, uh, so is the man thinketh, so is he, right? To get yeah. your thinking right. So books, the classics never go away, right? Those always would be good. As a matter of fact, um, um, so I used to give my clients books, right? And, and so when I uh, you know, I know, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Dr., um, you know, the doctor that was working with the Trump administration, um, he wrote two books, Gifted Hands, uh, ben, and, Carson. And another, ben Carson, right, and so a lot of people don't even like, like what he stands for when he stuck <laughs> with Trump, but I'm telling you, those two books, I used to give those to young boys back in the day, right, uh, gifted Hands and this other one, I can't think of the name of it, but these two books, he documented his life growing up in, in between Detroit and um, Chicago, his mom on welfare, his mom can't read, uh, psyched him and his brother out to read two books a day and write two books reports, right? And, and so, yeah, uh, great, great inspirational stories uh, like, like those, uh, but yeah, those was definitely uh, some books uh, uh, that uh, anything by Robin Sharma. He's on. He's on the next level. I. Um, I, I uh, anything by Tony Robbins. You know. Um, you know. We've been. We've been reading and followed him for about twenty some years. Uh, like twenty five, twenty seven years. Um, these, these old cats. They still good. I'm, I'm talking about Og Mandingo. Um, uh, Jim Rohn's, you know, these, uh, a lot of this stuff on YouTube to listen to, you know, so definitely listen, read, turn your car into a university when you're doing all that driving, commuting to work, you know, yeah. Uh, oh, this is good. I, I, yeah. I wrote some of those down. Uh, Dr. Young, he puts a, a book of the day out in the group. So, oh, yeah, no, that's yeah. good. No, that's good. I would, uh, the, uh, that got a few. Here's another one. Uh, Tax-free wealth, right? Tax-free. Who's the author? John uh, Tom Wilwright, CPA. Okay. Yeah, this is this is uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, CPA. So they giving up. They giving up all of Trump's secrets. You buy this book. You text. You text it uh, where he tells you to text. It'll send you the ten top uh, things that came out of that Trump. That Trump. Uh, 2017 tax uh, tax thing, right? And so, yeah, no books of it. Now, the other uh, other book uh, is um, my uh, my personal NBA, 
right? MyPersonalMBA.com is the book, My Personal MBA, where the guy said, you read my book, you don't have to go get an MBA. He'll, he'll tell you everything you need about business. And then he, he keeps a list online of the top uh, business books to read, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, books, okay. reading books are, are uh, definitely a way to create new ideas and new and new thoughts. It's just, it's just me. When one of the things that I was reading was <clears throat> be strong to be useful, right? Be strong to be useful. This concept uh, was uh, started by this guy in 1912, right? And it was, you know, be as strong and physically fit as possible so that you can be useful. You can have the energy to serve and to, and to participate in life, right? Mm -hmm. So just, yeah, reading is, is, uh, is great. I probably got, um, yeah, so now that's true. A lot of times when I do workshops, I do recommend a book. I mean, I do the same thing, Dr. Young. Yeah, get this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they don't really teach a lot of that stuff in, in schools. Like, I think they should have like a, a, a class designed for financial literacy. Yeah, so yeah. In my experience, we just had like a how to balance a checkbook. What's the definition mm -hmm. of like what a stock is, a stock market, and right, yeah. deep dives into like how to really become financially independent. Yeah, so, so, so uh, you know, we're, we're keeping in contact. I'm going to invite you guys to my next seminar. I'm doing seminars on Wednesday, Lunch and Learn. The next one will be how to understand understanding the intricacies of the financial institution, the life uh, uh, industry, the banking uh, industry, and the investment banking industry, and understanding the intricacies of these businesses and their products. Right? What do they what, what products they sell and where they fit in your financial portfolio? And, and so a lot of people they was like, wow. Some of the, you, we should be teaching this in school when I do some of these classes. I said, I have never prohibited you from bringing your kids to these workshops. They online. They, they You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're back there. I saw yours running around. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Hey, bring, they can come. I'm not, uh, no profanity, uh, no, uh, uh, no off-colored stories. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, wholesome. It's a family show. You know, <laughs> we're gonna bring the kids. <laughs> yeah, right, right, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I guess, like, what, um, what would be like the biggest thing to know about building wealth? Uh, what would be like the first step in in that process in that journey? No, great, great question. So uh, I tell people all the time that um, there's two major impediments to building wealth. Well, the first one is taxes. The more money you earn earn income, the more taxes you pay. Uh, 50 to 70% of our income is exposed to taxation. Income taxes, both state and federal. Sales taxes, excise taxes, property taxes, business taxes, 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 taxes. So if we, if we looked at all those taxes, li liability, 50 to 70% of your income, then you wonder, well, you know, yeah, I'm making 100, I'm making 200. Why, you know, why we're we not moving forward? Well, let's look at your taxes, right? So now that's where we would start. If you if you uh, sit down with a financial advisor and he don't start at this area, uh, he's only interested in selling you products so he can make money. This is your number one concern uh, yeah. is, is taxes, right? So if you have a tax strategy that's moral, legal, and ethical, and mm -hmm. how that you can now begin to shift uh, that taxes 
back to your pocket, i.e. tax-free wealth. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? This that's your that's your biggest that's your biggest expense. It's more than uh, living expense. It's more than food, clothing, shelter, transportation, right? So if someone come to you there and, and they don't talk about those things, uh, that particular issue, uh, they're um, uh, I don't know why they're there. You mind if I, Doctor uh, Doctor Young? You mind if I give the number two impediment to building wealth? Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, now, the number two is is fees, excessive fees. Right? Mm -hmm. Is that when you put your money to work with the money exchangers, right? Wall Street, they fee you to death. Right? They're making more money on your money than you're making. So excessive fees or or, or problem. Having bad credit is a fee because you're paying more in interest. Right? So uh, taxes and excessive fees are, are robbing us of creating significant wealth for our families and ourselves. You know, that's interesting. I never thought about like your credit as a fee. Well, having bad credit as a fee, but it, yeah. it really is. Yeah, it really is. And, and so uh, JoshuaPondExtra.com, we deal with all of these issues. Uh, I have seen, um, I, I had a mortgage company from 1999 to 2010. And I, you know, see people that um, uh, the interest rates were, were killing them, right? Um, and, but they, I want the house, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let's just take a little time and get our credit profile together. No, 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 I want that house. <laughs> they said you can give me a loan at 580. No, it's better to get it at 720, 760. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wait, right? But no, no I got to get in that house. So yeah, those that that's killing even with car loans, right? So uh, you know, last car I purchased, uh, I think my my interest rate rate was um, uh, one point nine nine percent, right? Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah no, that's excellent. You know, you walk into the dealership. I, well, no, I don't. You know, number one, you don't go in the dealership looking for money. You take your money to them. You get your money from your bank, right? Mm -hmm. They give you a check. So, Mr. Pondex, here's 30, 40, 50, 80,000 dollars. Just go down there, get what you want, and it's the paperwork. We'll write the check. Now, go down there to the dealership <laughs> looking for money. Right. So, yeah, those are it taxes and fees robbing us of our wealth. Right. Well, just, just on this point, like a stick in. Um, can you put a can you put a mon like a money value on the difference between a five thirty credit score and a seven hundred credit score when you're trying to get a home? And let's yeah, say the house is like two hundred. Uh, yeah, five. Uh, yeah, five eighty. Right. So how how much is um as far as like the interest? How much it's is that? A, in, like in, a payment. Yeah. Right? Okay. All right. Let's see here. Uh, Please hold while we calculate the numbers. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so, so actually, actually, I had just put this post up on Facebook a few days ago, right? So you're buying a $45,000 uh, used car for 48 months, right? You have mm -hmm. a five, you have a 590 credit score. Your interest rate is going to be 15.27% APR. That means that your monthly payment is going to be 1000 $259. So, and you know there's some cats out here floating around in these big old cars paying $1,000 a month, right? 
And so, <laughs> right, right, right. Now, now the same vehicle with a 730 credit score, your interest rate is 4.3%. Mm. So now that means that you're $1,000 a month, 1,020 monthly, right? So when total interest paid on that 590 is $15,413, the total uh, interest paid on that other vehicle is $3,967. So you can you see uh, uh, that that's what- You can what buy a whole other car. <laughs> not only can you buy a whole, a whole other car, but uh, when you guys get the book and share the book with your guys, with your family and friends, tax-free living, uh, you are, you're not buying a car. You, you buy assets that pays for your stuff, yep. right? You can, for $45,000, you can buy a building and rehab it. Mm-hmm. and get a thousand dollars a month coming in right to pay for a car right so now it's a whole nother shift we're gonna stop buying uh liabilities and start buying assets and then we're gonna we're gonna get uh our credit together uh, our personal credit should be impeccable our business credit should be uh impeccable our bank credit should be impeccable in all three areas uh, of credit that people that offer credit we want we want to be impeccable with them, right? So, yeah, credit is, is a, it, it's it, it's a big thing. So now they uh, uh, they ramp that over forty eight months, and so now they'll give you a car loan for ten years, so you can drive that forty five thousand car dollar cars and pay six hundred, eight hundred dollars a month. You know, they'll make it affordable for you, which is you know this is that's robbing those fees. You see that fee? Robbing you of your wealth, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah, so uh, you that's have your assets paid for your liabilities, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a shift that we we have to get to. Okay, we got some, we got some more. We rocking and rolling, man. We have you. a whole, <laughs> I have a whole show here. <laughs> yeah, well, we getting close to time. So, uh, if you okay. had to give that advice uh, that we were talking about earlier, if you had to give uh, advice to any dad that's listening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would that advice be? Okay, great, 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 good, 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 good. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> well, prepare before you come. Don't be reactionary. So we came out, before I came uh, uh, a father, I was uh, I was in the Navy. I was a single man, and I read this book um, um, about fatherhood, right? It was called the, the, I don't know if this book is still around. It was called The Man of Velvet and the man of steel. So you need to know when to be the one. So when I was, you know, with my, my um, um, older sons, I was I was the man of steel, right? Not much the man of velvet, right? So you have to learn how 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 to be both, right? So one if you got you have to prepare. Don't be reactionary. Don't you know go say okay. I want to go to college or I want to get a trade and go get a job and I'll go get a girl. I get that girl pregnant and uh, now uh, I'm a father or I got to move out of this studio apartment uh, and get a, that's reactionary plan, right? So they were too reactionary. Start if, if I was to give you some advice, plan, get some information, get some knowledge about fatherhood before you uh, get on that journey, right? Get some uh, get some information on being a leader, right? There's a lot of book 
uh, once again, here's another one by Robin Sharma, the leader, the leader without a title. You don't need a title to be a leader, right? But if you're a father, you're a leader. So learn some leadership skills, right? Learn, uh, don't get in the thing and then go, oh, I got to figure it out, right? But before you make that, uh, that most important step, you know, do some research, do some reading, prepare yourself as much as possible. And then you'll go like, wow, I'm not really prepared, but I've got a little, <laughs> I got a little information I can work with, right? That's what I would give to some younger men before you become fathers, prepare. But if you found that uh, you are a father and you unprepared, um, fear not, the library is open. <laughs> you, know. you know, Joshua, that, that's great advice, man. I think I had two kids before I, I, they came, I came to that realization, like, this is real. Mm -hmm. you know, I have yeah. to uh, <laughs> yeah. start planning some things out. Yeah, yeah. And we're, 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 two, we're two reactionary. One, uh, one, one workshop I do called Goal Setting to Goal Getting, right? So that stop being reactionary and our goals. So we was like, oh, you know, looks like I'm doing okay. I got a big house. I got a wife. I got kids. I got a car. Whew, just think if you would have did some planning on that, you know? Yeah. That's the advice I would give to uh, a, a young man before he became a father. Or if you find yourself uh, in those shoes now, right? Fear not, you got you can you can get her done. Okay. And uh, one last question from uh, myself, and really I already asked it to you. You already answered it. Uh, I want to read your response uh, to the people. Okay. Uh, the question was, what does fatherhood mean to you? Yes. And, and Joshua, you had a real good, uh, concise answer. It's really good. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, it's a gift from our Creator. Yes. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and, and and it is, and it's so so we can experience what it feels like, because uh, he's our father, our heavenly father. That's how he presents himself. So now we can actually understand what that means, and that he provides for his daily sunshine, rain, oxygen. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's what. So we look at it. So we have a, a model, to model, right? Modeling is another uh, hack on life. Find someone to model. So if you if you have a spiritual life and you believe in your your uh, heavenly Father, model Him, right? So yeah, absolutely. That's it's a, it's a gift. Uh, it's a, it's a it's it's an incredible gift for someone to, to call you Father. I remember my youngest son. Uh, we we go somewhere and he would he would just be, uh, that's my daddy. That's <laughs> tell everybody yeah, that's my daddy. You know what I'm saying? I was like. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a blessing, you know. Yeah, oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so I definitely appreciate your time and, and your uh, and your story. You definitely have a mm -hmm. unique story. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, Doctor Young, did you have any other questions? Uh, no other questions. That's uh, I wanted to thank you as well. Uh, it's, it's been an awesome interview. Appreciate thank you. you. Yeah, I, pre yeah, I and, appreciate uh, Sir Sir Ross reaching out to me and and not knowing anything about about me, but thought I had something <laughs> to share. <laughs> oh, well, I can tell how we, dapper you we... were, man. I, I can tell you had a good story just by how dapper you were in your, in your profile picture. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Before we sign out, um, can you let everybody know where they can get in contact with you, or where they can uh, listen to your your classes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Joshua Pondexter, uh, 
com. That's my website. If you want to get in contact with me. And then on all social media platforms is Joshua Pondex. LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Joshua Pondexter. As you might imagine, I like my name. And when you go, you will see my picture. I like my face too. So <laughs> everywhere you see my face, you'll see my name. Uh, and you got the you got the right one. Okay. Thank awesome. you. Thank you for this opportunity, young brothers. Yeah, thank you. And uh Dr. Mm -hmm. Young, can we can we put this one in the Hall of Fame too, man? What you think, man? I think okay. this is another, another Hall <laughs> yeah, of Fame for sure. episode, man. Sure. <laughs> what, uh, what number you want, uh, Joshua? Yeah, what, what number did you, did you wear uh, playing sports? Or did you on play the back sports? of your jersey. On the back of my jersey. Let's see what um, I'm going to think. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for further announcements.